0: The Transforming Government Experiences podcast is brought to you by ServiceNow in collaboration with GovExecs Studio 2G. ServiceNow industry solutions transform government with a consumer-style experience that's intuitive and secure for your workforce and the people they serve. Check out how ServiceNow can help your agency fuel mission-oriented innovation and accelerate outcomes at servicenow.com.
1: It's no secret that cyber threats are on the rise. As government becomes more digital, combating those threats becomes even more crucial to the U.S. government's ability to thrive and serve constituents. The cybersecurity executive order released in May 2021 seeks to help agencies pave the way to more secure systems. As agencies grapple with the executive order, what do they need to know, and how can they best meet the requirements it lays out? Those are exactly the questions we're looking to answer on today's episode of Transforming Government Experience a four-part podcast series from ServiceNow in partnership with government executives Studio 2G. I'm your host, James Hansen, group publisher for federal and technology markets at GovExec. Joining me today from ServiceNow to talk through the cybersecurity executive order is Jonathan Albaum, federal CTO, Robert Walker, federal solution consulting manager for technology workflows, and Jeff Lacourt, the company's lead for SecOps federal sales. Jonathan, Robert, and Jeff, thanks for joining me.
0: Thanks for having us, James. Yeah, Great to be here.
1: Let's jump right in. Jonathan, I'm going to start with you. Can you just tell us a bit more about the state of cybersecurity across the federal government today?
2: Sure. And James, great to be here. Prior to joining ServiceNow, I worked in the federal government for a number of years, and I really, over my time as a Fed and as a CIO at different agencies, I saw cybersecurity evolve quite a lot. When I started my federal career, the agency I worked at, we didn't even have a cybersecurity office. Cybersecurity was sort of an ancillary function of our network team. And really over time, over the last 10, 15 years, I think we've seen a real evolution of the way people think about cybersecurity. There's a very clear recognition, in my opinion now, that the threats out there are real and they can impact the way our agencies run. They can impact our ability to execute on our missions. And without a focus on cybersecurity and the appropriate leadership attention on cybersecurity, we stand at tremendous risk of having our ability to operate impacted. Now, of course, we need funding and we need the agency leadership to be on board with all these things that we want to do from a cyber group's perspective, but that's there in a lot of cases. And that's created tremendous improvements, in my opinion, in our overall cyber posture. By no means are we where we need to be As a government, there's obviously a lot of improvements that can be made to cybersecurity across all the agencies. In the civilian government, in the intelligence community and Department of Defense, there's opportunity everywhere. And cybersecurity executive order aims to set direction and improvements for agencies at all levels. But we have really improved a lot. And we have, I think, a really good perspective on cybersecurity today, much better than we had just a few years ago. So while it's a hard topic, I'm optimistic that we're all moving in the right direction.
1: Well, let's stay on the cyber executive order for a second, Jonathan. Can you tell us a little bit more about what its intended goals and objectives are and how the key pillars, whether it be zero trust? Moving to secure services, identity and access management, multi factor authentication. Can you just provide some context of what that means for cybersecurity as it continues to evolve, as the threats continue to evolve?
2: Yeah, it's a really good question, James. I think that the EO sets out a lot of really important pillars for agencies to be focused on, from removing any barriers that we have to threat sharing to this idea that our cybersecurity and the systems that support cybersecurity need to continually be modernized. There are a ton of requirements in there for agencies to take on in order to prove their cybersecurity posture. And at the same time, an overarching requirement is to focus on the software supply chain. I think we look back at the Solar Winds incident from in our recent past, we see how easy it was for a piece of software that was influenced by some bad actors to make it onto agency networks. And the results were pretty significant in some cases. So as federal agencies, it's really critical that you understand the cat who all of your software providers are and hardware providers, and that you have a good comprehensive understanding of the software tools in your environment. So you need software asset management kinds of capabilities, that you have a good understanding of the hardware. We have hardware asset management capabilities, and we can create that sort of superset of things that are in our environment that need to be protected. You can't protect things in your environment if you don't know they exist. We're really seeing agencies have to become focused on their IT inventories and their assets. And that creates the opportunity then to manage the vendor risk associated with the providers of those capabilities. And, you know, again, that's a great starting point for the zero trust requirements that are also in the executive order. And zero trust is not one single tool or one single solution. It is a program that an agency needs to implement over, in my opinion, an extended period of time, considering the very organic nature of our IT environments with lots of technology, lots of different products that were required over over the years, are built over the years, and bringing all those under a zero trust program is going to take some time and attention. But you cannot do it if you don't first understand these tools that exist in your environment and how they're used.
3: And one Wait. of the um, aspect- yeah, go ahead, Jeff. You know, one of the ideas behind the executive order, it seems to mirror the CDM program, which was put out to the federal civilian government through DHS several years ago. So I think they complement each other very well. So if agencies are having good success on the CDM program, I think they're going to be a lot further along in implementing the Zero Trust architecture.
2: There's also something in the EO that I think it allows agencies to build on past successes. It's about responding to vulnerabilities and incidents in a more consistent way by creating some playbooks and standard approaches. That's part of the EO that I think is really important. We need to be not just sharing threats, but we need to be sharing how we mitigate these threats and being consistent in our approach and not having to figure it out from scratch each time that something happens. So can we standardize these playbooks and make it very easy for everybody to have access to the same information so we can respond very quickly and consistently when something bad happens?
1: And so, Robert, I'd like to bring you in and get your perspectives on just kind of what Jonathan and a great point that Jeff had made around the alignment to CDM in terms of identifying strategic assets. But where should agencies start? It's it's a very complex challenge. And I think to Jonathan's point, zero trust is kind of like the IT modernization journey, right? It never ends. It's constantly evolving.
0: A hundred percent agree. From my perspective, being in the front lines as a solutions consultant for some time, and then also being an architect and supporting many of the federal government agencies, I've seen the evolution going back to Jonathan's point early on with your first question of time and attention about Data analytics, how important that's been. Agencies wanting to see our customers understanding the importance of having everything under one single pane of glass. Being able to prioritize and and monitor, investigate, and act on or operationalize on their data as well. But to circle back to your last question that you asked as well, James, is... I think it's really important for us to really focus on the fundamentals coming from a security background. It used to be the SANS top 20 controls, I know it's the Center for Internet Security now that manages those and they really focus on those 18 controls, but even those first five of how important it is, the inventory of controlling enterprise assets, understanding what your software assets are in your environment, how are you protecting your data? having a baseline of your configurations in your environment. So these are still all core principles that align to the zero trust initiatives as well that we're just trying to build off of.
1: And so Jeff, how's ServiceNow aligned to the cyber EO? And how can it help agencies get from those fundamentals to essentially the outcomes that agencies are trying to
3: achieve from a protection perspective? The ServiceNow platform is an amazing tool. It offers the power and the flexibility to work with all types of cyber tools and to bring those under one platform. If you look at the ServiceNow platform, the orchestration and automation that it offers is amazing, and the ability to control how that flows inside of the platform. From the agency's perspective, can be modified and you can make those outcomes show any way that you want. Most security tools that we see are siloed. They do one thing, they stop a person from coming onto the network, they block malware, et cetera, et cetera. But we can bring those tools together so that they can work together to get you the outcome that you want. And at the same time, since it's on the platform, There's no reason to dig into emails or spreadsheets. It's all the information is at your fingertips. I'll give you an example. Most federal agencies are using a product called Tenable for scanning their networks for vulnerabilities, similar to the log four shell vulnerability. We have the ability to pull that information into a ticketing system right there. And then if you're running the other modules of service now, you can create IT help desk tickets to bring that over for patching. So we we can create these efficiencies Out of the box and we can orchestrate and automate all that to be done with no human interaction and so that means no errors or any types of problems with people being absent from the desk so we just create this environment that allows the system to work seamlessly together and at the same time so this is just going to reduce your risk because you're speeding up your efficiency so much and as of today i don't see any other platform that has that capability to do what ServiceNow offers.
2: You know, and I think that aligns really well with the tenets of the EO around a a standardized playbook for incident response, where we can automate aspects of that response. So it's the human factor is taken out of it to some respect and your incident response becomes more streamlined and more standardized as the EO calls for. I think the other point that Jeff just made that I wanted to reiterate, and I can think about my time as a CIO being responsible for a security office and you have a security operations center with lots of analysts in there and seemingly a new tool added into the SOC every couple of months. All of the data that's being generated by all of those tools makes it challenging to know when there's something really significant. So finding the signal in the noise and knowing how to prioritize all of these alerts and understand where you need to focus becomes very difficult for your average security operations center. And, you know, ServiceNow gives you the capability to prioritize the most important things and be focused on the most important things. And I think that just is a really key feature and a capability that security operation centers across government are already taking advantage of. And it gives them, I think, a leg up in the implementation of the EO.
3: And Jonathan, to add on to that, by the the ability to populate a CMDB and understand where your assets are and the criticality of your assets, it does allow for that prioritization. Because in the old days, if you had all those silo tools, tools running and it was just alert, 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 everything was a critical. And if everything's a critical, that means nothing's a critical. So the prioritization through the CMDB and the power of the ServiceNow platform to do that for you is an incredible advancement in being able to react in a much faster way to resolve issues.
2: And the configuration management database is only as good as those upfront actions we talked about before getting a complete accounting of your hardware and your software. And once you have that, well, now you can also do the vendor risk management component that the EO calls for and have a better sense of who you're doing business with. But it gives you this added capability that Jeff was just describing, which is really powerful and I think mitigates a lot of risk of incidents going undetected. And those undetected incidents, the longer they exist in your environment, the risk of something really, really bad happening just increases exponentially.
0: If I may add just one point to what Jonathan and Jeff have shared, I live the life of a security analyst And fully understand doing the swivel chair where you're turning to one tool, one point solution, moving over to another and even trying to correlate. That was kind of pre-sim a little bit. But speaking of today's capabilities and advancements that I think are really important to really highlight is one of the biggest things that I've seen being in front of customers and having conversations with them Many SOC analysts aren't even able to many times align or attribute a device to what devices were a part of an incident, as an example. So that goes back to the criticality of the CMDB. More importantly, as all of these different alerts are surfacing, understanding which ones you should be prioritizing and using initially is really important as well. So having a platform that can bring all of those things together, and I'm just putting myself... Thinking back some years back, if I could have had these capabilities at my fingertips, how important are the advancements that would have happened in our environment from having something like that, how that would really resonate for me as an analyst now. I'd love to get
1: any final thoughts on best practices, potential obstacles that agencies should be aware of beyond what we've already talked about in terms of the cyber
3: EO. I would start with taking a look at what kind of tools you have in inventory and trying to understand what do your alignment to the EO and see where you stand on things. You have to understand what you have in your inventory from a enterprise perspective, but also from your software defense perspective, I'll say, and then start to develop a plan around that to leverage the resources that you have in place already and move forward. You may have already achieved certain areas of the EO, so you can cross those off, and then start to look for those quick wins and develop that larger picture to go after, because you know that the bad actors are not going away. They're only going to get better. So you need to start working today to get to that zero-trust architecture end goal. And I would say
0: understanding that adopting a zero-trust architecture is going to be a journey for both organizations and even vendors as well. So we have to work together to identify best practices that are most applicable to our customers' environments and for organization environments. And as with anything in life, I think the more intention that we dedicate to something – the more desirable outcomes start to surface. And so as we work with customers, as we have these conversations with customers, as agencies are looking at the opportunities that are in front of them, they'll start to uncover many of the benefits just from going through that process and kind of leaning into that process and uncovering new business processes they may need to implement, what type of architecture designs they need to have in place, what their procurement processes should start to look like to just a better operational Around a true zero trust architecture. So we're in this together and it'll take some time, but I think we're going to all get there. I'll close this
2: out by bringing this back to a perspective I gained when I was in the federal government as a CIO. You know, we only have technology in our agencies because we have missions that require technology to be successful. We deliver our agency missions through a variety of systems. And if those systems aren't secure, we can't deliver on our missions. Our agencies will not be able to do their job and the people they serve won't be served. So I'd like to bring it back to that very fundamental concept. We have to take these actions to ensure that the people that rely on government can be well-served, that our agencies that serve the veteran provide school lunches to children that help to ensure our nation's response to COVID-19, that they are able to operate and successfully operate despite the risk that exists across the world from a cyber perspective. And if we're doing the basic things well, if we're understanding what the work of our agency is and what our data is and how that work and data flow through our organization. we understand the systems and the technologies that utilize that data and that are prevalent throughout our environments. We can really make a lot of strides because we'll have great inventory at that point. And we can be thinking about the right way and the best way to use these systems, to secure them, to make sure that the work and the data is flowing in a way that supports our agency customers and supports them securely. We're doing all those things. It's very easy to show value because our missions operate successfully. They operate securely. We're protecting the data of the people we serve. And ultimately it comes back to that. And I'd encourage anybody out there to be thinking in terms of their mission. The people their agencies serve, and keep that in mind as we're talking about the EO, any cybersecurity activities, really in general, and securing our systems. It has to come back to that fundamental concept of mission resiliency and mission success.
1: Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your insights and for your service to our government customers. And thank you to our listeners of the Transforming Government Experience podcast. Be sure to check out our other episodes for more insights into how agencies can set government up for tomorrow.
0: The Transforming Government Experiences podcast is brought to you by ServiceNow in collaboration with GovExecs Studio 2G. To learn more about how ServiceNow can help your agency transform, visit servicenow.com.